Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody. Ethan here for episode 23 of the Blue Note Podcast, one stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It is the Rich Sutter episode of the podcast. So last episode we had the uh, Kevin Shattenkirk episode, and now we go with uh, Rich Sutter, who played parts of uh, or he played 13 seasons in the NHL, four of which with the Blues. Obviously, uh, comes from the family, you know, with Brian Sutter, Brent Sutter, Daryl Sutter, all kinds of Sutters throughout the history of the NHL, and Rich Sutter is the pick from Mike for this episode. He's a 10th overall pick in 1982. The Penguins played uh, 2000 or 1989 to 1993 with the Blues, half of a season there in 89-90 uh, coming over from Vancouver. So Rich Sutter, the pick for this episode. Before we get into it, thank the listeners. Uh, everything that the listeners do for us by just listening. its uh, it, it goes a long way. And a uh, reminder to hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss a single show. Give us a review if you love what we're doing. Uh, get involved with the conversation over at TBN Pod on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on our personal accounts. Mine is at Ethan Carter SW. Mike's is uh, at M underscore Meyer 3. And uh, chat with us throughout the week and all that stuff. Uh, but let's let's send it over to the interview. Mike did a solo interview with Dane Lewis of the Locked On Network to talk about the Dallas Stars and the upgra- uh, the upcoming season. And uh, what the stars could be, it's a continuation of our summer series, of course. Uh, we have, let me see, maybe three, two or three left of this. We did uh, the Avalanche last in the last episode, episode 22. We have episode 23 here, another Locked On podcast uh, host, Dane Lewis, joining us for this one. And then we still have uh, Nashville and Winnipeg to go, I believe, unless I'm missing another one, which I could be. Uh, but we'll have a guest for those as well. That's the summer series. We have a guest. We bring them all. We talk about uh, their team and their expectations for what their team could be. And uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, we have Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Nashville. Three left. And the uh, next one will be the Minnesota Wild. So be sure to join us for the next one for Minnesota Wild. Let's send it over now to Mike with Dane Lewis to talk about the Dallas Stars. All right, Blues fans, welcome on in. We are going to talk some Dallas Stars hockey here today. We have Dane Lewis with us here from the Locked on Stars podcast. Dane, how's it going here today? It's going good. I'm uh, glad to be here and glad that hockey season is right around the corner with with preseason games starting here in September. And if I'm not mistaken, the the Stars' first preseason game is actually against the St. Louis Blues. So uh, lots of reasons to be excited if if you're a hockey fan. Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait for real the season, you know, to get up and going and be able to stop, you know, speculation and predictions and whatnot. You know, we, we actually get some like real world results here at this point, which is always going to be really nice. So um, just really fast, if you can't, you know, just give us some background here on you. Like how long have you been following the stars? How long, you know, like where are you located here out of, um, you know, been covering them, you know, just some insight here on you. Yeah, for sure. Um, So it's kind of funny because I, I really have only been a, I would say like a committed Dallas Stars fan follower since probably like 
the winter spring of of 2018 i i grew up in in west texas around in the lubbock area um that's mm-hmm. where like texas tech university is but not a yeah. not a big hockey town football baseball basketball no. but not not really a big hockey community but i i moved to dallas for school um and obviously you know the dallas stars are in dallas i'm about 15 20 minutes away from their arena while i'm at school uh and so end up going to a few games make some some good friends with guys that have been following the team since they were little kids and kind of yeah. get pulled into to their circle there and then um, i'm actually coming up on a year i believe september 20th will be one year with uh, the locked on podcast network and covering Very the stars fun. there so uh it's it's been it's been a lot of fun still learning and growing uh, in my own ways as a, a podcaster and you know trying to differentiate between being a fan of a team but also you know, trying to, to cover them and, and yeah. sometimes push my bias to the side. And, and you know, sometimes you got to face the facts about your team and you want to be optimistic about them, but there's some days where, you know, things aren't going well or something does go wrong right. and you kind of have to be uh, the pessimist. And sometimes that goes over well with listeners and fans and sometimes it doesn't, and but some, nope. it's, uh, yeah, it, it's fun for sure. I, I enjoyed a lot. Very good. So is there an end all goal here then with you to try and like be able to get into the stars media or be able to get like into sports media here like in general uh a little bit and i've i'm very fortunate to to have been placed in some pretty good positions um in large part to to some of the higher ups um within the the locked on podcast network um i've gotten the opportunity to be in the press box at several different stars games this past year including uh game four of the the stanley cup playoff series against the calgary flames which unfortunately did end in a stars loss but you know still a really unique experience and uh yeah, I, I mean, just very fortunate um, to to be, you know, in the box at some games and in press conferences after the game. So certainly still a long ways to go. And, you know, definitely not the the most, you know, experienced or uh, longest tenured media member as far as stars media goes. But, you know, it's nice to kind of have my foot in the door and I'm, I'm excited to see where else, uh, you know, covering this team can take me and uh, what other doors it could possibly open. Love that. We'll be able to keep up the good work, man. Like I love um, the work to hear that you've been doing. I just saw the interview. Oh my gosh. I cannot think of the gentleman's name that you just interviewed. Um, older gentleman. Um, he was talking here, I believe out of Texas here as well. You guys just recapped, you know, a lot of the season. Um, was it Mike Heike? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He, um, he does a, a lot of the writing for the stars online work yeah. for the team. He's, he's fantastic. He's great. Yep. Yeah, great, great interview. If you get the chance um, and you're interested a little bit more here, like in Dallas Stars hockey, I definitely recommend be able to go out and be able to take a look here at this. But um, yesterday, the big news here just around the hockey community here in general, you know, and I think everybody was really, really waiting to see what the Stars were going to do was um, with Jake Ottinger. Three-year contract worth $12 million. Um, over the regular season, he had appeared in 77 games with a 41-23-8 record. Very, very impressive. 2.46 goals against average and a 9-13 save percentage. He's clearly the goaltender of the future here in Dallas. Postseason performance last season, outstanding. Played all seven games against Calgary. Only allowed 13 goals in seven games and managed a stunning 9.54 save percentage, including what was it, 65 shots against here in game I seven? So. I believe uh, yeah, 64, cow. 65, somewhere yeah. in that range. Wow. So let's get your take here on. I mean, it's still pretty fresh. I don't even think it's been 24 hours here yet since he has signed. So, thoughts on his new contract? Yeah. Uh, the initial short answer to that would be I, I'm a fan of the contract. I'm 
very relieved that he's been signed and extended for what I think is an, a reasonable you know amount of time and also yeah. a reasonable amount of money because it does leave a decent amount of cap room left to to sign another stars RFA that I know we'll talk about a little bit later and Jason oh, Robertson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but but I'm I'm very excited because as you mentioned, uh, Ottinger has a, a really good season last year. Definitely not the most astonishing numbers, but given his age and the amount of games he has played in the NHL, really good numbers in the regular season, you know, given those circumstances. And then, like you said, the postseason performance, one of, one of the best performances we saw from a, a goaltender in the playoffs. It's just unfortunate that it was regardless of the age. By, yeah, regardless, yeah, regardless of, of age. age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's a shame that, you know, it ended after a seven game run. Um, mm-hmm. You can point uh, to a lot of different reasons why the stars don't win that series. And, None of that goes towards Jake Ottinger. He was lights out, fantastic, especially against some of the best scores in the league, like Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, Lindholm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a very good Calgary Flames team, and I think you know uh, that there's a lot to be said about Jake, and there was a lot of speculation this offseason that he was going to come back to Dallas. Nothing that he said or did really pointed to him being interested in leaving, um, but then as right. time wore on and as we kind of trudged through the summer, him and Robertson both remained unsigned. And while we're recording this, Robertson still unsigned, but people mm-hmm. were very confident that he would come back. And uh, the few media appearances he did make, um, you know, he expressed interest in doing that. That I mean, it, it's just the offseason. He's a young kid. Uh, he was out playing a lot of golf. I know I saw on social media. So I'm sure he was just trying to recover, rest, soak up the offseason as much as he can because now, you know, with training camp just around the corner, it's about to be nose to the grindstone for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, being the number one goalie at, what you know at age 22 23 still in his, his younger right. 20s and uh, right. while it seems like he's going to be the number one goalie you have to imagine that a guy like Scott Wedgwood and even Anton Hudobin who's supposed to be healthy for camp are still gonna you know give it their all and, and make it a good mm-hmm. competition uh, for that number one goalie spot but I, I think this is you know Jake Ottinger's spot to lose at the number one uh, and like you said he's the the guy of the future and um, he's been set up for success, getting to work alongside Jeff Reese, who's been an excellent goalie coach for the Stars for several seasons. One of the the few coaches that has stayed on um, with the the changing of many coaching staff positions this summer. Um, but he's also just had the mentorship of some incredible NHL goalies with Ben Bishop, who's still with the organization, mm-hmm. Braden Holtby, who's won a Stanley Cup, who's won a Vesna Trophy, no longer with the team, but was with the team last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to imagine that that was a beneficial relationship. And then even uh, the aforementioned Anton Hudobin, who was in the Stanley Cup finals with the Stars just a couple years ago. Uh, three really, really good older goalies to have as mentors, uh, friends within the organization. And then even a guy like Wedgwood, who hasn't been around for super long, but has still you know, seen his fair share of uh, playing time in the NHL and uh, now is probably on the best team he's been on in Dallas. I know he's had some stints in New Jersey and Arizona, but he's just, you know, been set up for success. And I think he's, you know, lined up for a a great season if he's able to stay healthy, which he's done uh, knock on wood so far throughout the the majority of his young career. So excited to have Jake back, excited to have the deal done. and, And I just can't wait to see what he's able to do this season. Yeah. So are you at all nervous now? Because, Holby played pretty darn well last season. You know, he only appeared in 24 games, but he he looked pretty darn good in those games that he played here, like for Dallas. And so to be able to turn the backup position here over to Scott Wedgwood, hopefully, and and I absolutely pray that nothing happens to Jake Ottinger, but boy, that's a large drop-off, you know, going from a guy like 
Brayden Holpe now to Scott Wedgwood here at this point. So are are you at all worried? Are fans worried here at all about the backup position? I mean, what's what's the uh, the vibe here for Dallas? Yeah, I, I know just speaking for myself, I'm not very concerned because, like you said, okay. it is uh, seemingly like a, a blow to lose a guy like Holtby. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just at the end of the day, I think injuries have started to catch up with him. He is getting older. I, I do agree that he did have um, some great performances while still healthy here in Dallas, I think especially given the expectation on him uh, with his brief stint in Vancouver where he didn't look fantastic. I think it, there was yeah, a lot of doubt. Stat- it was relatively low. You know, nobody yeah. really thought much here for him going yeah, into Dallas. Yeah. A lot of people thought it was just kind of a weird move, and yeah. uh, I think he he proved some people wrong, and you know gave it his all while he still could play, and then mm-hmm. the reins were kind of shifted over to Ottinger. But I, but I'm still fairly confident in Wedgwood. If you go back and look at some of his games from the the back half of the season after the trade deadline, uh, he had some really impressive outings. I think his first game with the Stars was in Carolina against the Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes just dominated that game in the offensive zone with shots on goal scoring opportunities, but the stars found a way to win. And a large part of that was due uh, to the heroics of Scott Wedgwood. I think he had like 44, 45 saves that game. Uh, And they win that one on the road in Carolina, which was huge for the team getting two points there. And then there was another game. They lost this one in overtime, uh, but he had a game at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs where he put on a really good performance. Uh, And the only reason they lost was three on three. Austin Matthews makes an Austin Matthews level play. Um, that, you know, maybe even a guy like Igor Shesterkin would probably have trouble making a save on the play like right. Matt Matthews made. So Scott Wedgwood has proven in his brief time here in Texas to be a, a very serviceable backup goalie. Um, and like I'm right there with you. I'm praying that nothing happens to Jake Ottinger. I expect him to get the majority of the starts. But if there is an insane back to back and Jake needs some rest or just needs a, a brief night off, uh, I'm fully confident that, that Scott Wedgwood can go in against any team in this league and give the Stars a chance to win. Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, he, he came into Carolina, his first game, uh, had 47 shots against with a 936 save percentage that game up against Toronto. He had 41 shots against top 37 of them. Um, still with a, it's, you know, they're saying a 902 save percentage here at this point. So I don't know. He's, he's looked interesting. Um, it could, could build a workout. I don't know. You just hear the name Scott Wedgwood, and it doesn't really give you a whole lot of confidence here outside of him. So, um, you know, maybe that's just a very biased opinion here of of that guy, not really being able to see him a whole heck of a lot. Um, my confidence in him and familiarity here at that point, too, is not overly high. So, um, so like you said, we still have to be able to see a, a guy here like Jason Robertson resign, and there's all the money not all the money in the world to be able to resign him here, but the stars have a lot of money, especially moving on to next season where in the 2023, 24 season, they only have four forwards signed. So do you think it's a potential that they just sign Jason Robertson to like a one year deal? Let's just play the one season and then we'll lock you up here from there. Or do you think they're going to try and do a little bit of a longer bridge deal? I mean, like what do you think is going to happen here for him? Yeah, I think that that is certainly a possible option. And it's just a very odd scenario. Um, like you said, the the stars, I think, will look drastically different this time next year with mm-hmm. so many guys on, on expiring deals. Like Joe Pavelski just signed a one-year deal in the middle of last season, but he's coming mm-hmm. back this year. But who knows if, if this is his last season in the NHL at his age. Rope Hintz will be an RFA. I expect him to come back. Dennis Gurionov, 
Another guy that's, you know, at the end of his deal, Luke Glendening, Joel Kiviranta, Jacob Peterson, the list goes on and on. So right. I, I can certainly see the stars maybe trying to work a deal with Robertson where they sign him one year, maybe mm-hmm. give him five, six million dollars. They have about six point three million in cap space if you look at cap friendly right now. Right. So I, I can certainly see that. But I think there's also a side of, you know, from what the, the little I do know and, and have heard about Jason Robertson side of things that he wants maybe around that $7 million mark, which at this moment, the stars can't give him that. But if they maybe make some moves, I know there's been some rumors that they're trying to move yeah. on from Anton Hudobin. He He's making about 3.3 million, I believe. Um, so you could, you could maybe try to get some of that money yep. off the books yeah. uh, and just try to, you know, see what you can do with Jason Robertson. And then you throw in this whole other side plot. Uh, earlier this week, the Stars owner, Tom Gillardi, making comments saying that he thinks young guys like Robertson are, are asking too much and getting paid too much money, uh, which I, I think there's an argument to be made for that league-wide. But if you look at a team like the Dallas Stars that historically have not been great at putting the puck in the net the past few seasons, I, I think you get a guy like Robertson, who's only the fourth 40-goal scorer in, in Dallas Stars franchise history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Madonna, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, the only other three that have done it. I, I think you have to try to lock that a guy like Robertson up uh, and try to pay him within reason, whatever whatever he wants. So uh, I'm confident that they will get a deal done before training camp. Again, similar yeah. to Jake Ottinger, I haven't seen or heard anything that would indicate Jason wanting to leave. I think he has great chemistry with Rope Hintz uh, and even right. Joe Pavelski, who who knows how much longer he's going to be around. But I, I think he's found a nice little home here in Dallas and uh, has grown to, to love the fan base, and the fan base certainly loves him back. Uh, for the performance that he's given over the past two seasons. So certainly a weird situation. I can see a one-year deal happening. I can see an attempt at maybe a bridge deal happening. Um, And then I can also see a world where maybe he gets a a more extensive deal done. Okay. I want to circle back really fast what you're talking about here. I don't want to be like interrupt you here or anything. Um, With some of the regards to those the young players receiving high-end contracts, I do agree that you're starting to see a lot more big name players, you know, earn these big contracts here when they're young, but let's face it. If the NHL is getting young talent coming up and they're performing at a high level, they need to be paid because regardless of their age, I don't care if they're 27, 23 or 32 performing here, or in the case here of Joe Pavelski being 38 years old, 38 Mm. years old here at this point, when they are leading your team in points, and you are looked at here as one of the top performing players, and they're up for a contract. If I'm their agent, I'm expecting you to pay him like he is a top player here as well. So I I can see an argument that says, well, these guys have to earn their their keep. They have to be able to show that they can really keep doing it for a long time. And that's fine. So sign them to a short-term contract, but pay them accordingly. So it's it's going to be interesting to see, I think, what Jason Robertson here gets. You know, he could be able to get five to six million dollars, you know, but I could see him getting eight million dollars. You know, it, it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see what he signs for. Yeah. And I think the big part of it is it, whatever he gets, it's going to be a huge pay raise because he's coming mm-hmm. off his, his entry level deal. Right. And I think that's the hesitation from a lot of guys. And the NHL is just so different. Um, from what it's been, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, where mm-hmm. you almost never really saw these massive deals coming for guys out of their ELC, you right. got the bridge deals. But now, I mean, it's just kind of expected. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota comes out mm-hmm. of his entry level deal. He's making what, $9 million a season now in yeah. Minnesota. 
And, yeah. you know, Robertson is a, a similar player. Both those guys were called their finalists a couple of seasons ago with Kaprizov mm-hmm. winning. But I, I think what Kaprizov is to Minnesota, Robertson is to Dallas as far as kind of being mm-hmm. the, the future premier forward. So, yeah, I think you maybe need to take the the claim of guys getting paid too much case by case, team by team. But if you look at the stars, Jason Robertson is a is a once in a you know generation, maybe once every mm-hmm. 15, 20 years type player to right. come through the organization. Uh, yeah, you you got to find a way have to, to lock it up properly. Absolutely. Yep. yep, absolutely. So before we get into the off season and the upcoming 2022-23 season, so let's just take a really quick look back here on 21-22. So the stars were 46-30 and 6, got a total of 98 points. Again, the stars lost in the first round to Calgary in nail-biting overtime game 7. If you are dying for any bit of hockey, if you can get the chance to go back and watch that game, go back, maybe if you're not Stars fans, um, <laughs> go back and watch that game. It was so much fun to be able to watch. Um, the Stars were 29 or 21st in the NHL with 2.4, 2.84 goals for per game, 18th um, in goals against at 2.98. They had the 11th best power play at just over 22%, and 19th in the NHL at their power and uh, their penalty kill here was 79%. Overall thoughts here at all. I mean, it's a complete open season, you know, wherever you want to go to take this here. Thoughts on the on last season. Yeah, for sure. It, it was certainly a, I, I think a good season given kind of the expectations going into the year. I don't think a lot of people were particularly high on the stars, just given how no. loaded the rest of the central was. I mean, Colorado, right. obviously we saw how things worked out for them. Best team in the NHL, but even the, the rest of the central Minnesota had a fantastic regular season. The blues did St. Louis blues. Things had a great season and probably played the avalanche the best out of any team in the Western conference in the mm-hmm. postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nashville had a good year. Winnipeg uh, was a thorn in a lot of people's sides throughout the season. So I think all things considered getting into the playoffs and especially getting uh, that first wild card spot. I think that, that was a, a lifesaver for the stars. I think they would have suffered a similar fate to Nashville if they got matched up with Colorado. Maybe they win one game uh, if with Jake Ottinger being the starting goalie. I know Nashville was down UC Soros, so that, that played a huge factor. But just looking at the regular season, there was just a lot going on, especially in net. Ottinger was supposed to play the entire year in the American Hockey League, uh, and it was supposed to be Holtby and Hudobin in net with the hopes that Ben Bishop was going to come back. And then Ben Bishop has to retire after it's you know kind of been determined that his his health can just no longer be at the level that he wanted it to be at. And then right. Hudobin and Holtby both also start dealing with injuries. So e- even just from that standpoint, it was chaotic. But throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the roster as well, they, the Stars had a fantastic top line uh, of Joe Pavelski, Rope Hens, Jason Robertson, mm-hmm. uh, the three leading scorers on the team, some of the best offensive output from the team from those three, but then the rest of the forward groupings, uh, it was very mixed results. Uh, right. Sometimes there would just be absolutely zero offense from there, and then every now and then you'd get you know a flash in the pan game from Denis Gurionov or Tyler Sagan uh, or Jacob Peterson, who was a you know kind of a surprise as far as the, the Stars roster this year, a rookie um, who scored the first goal of the season against the New York Rangers. Uh, in his NHL debut at Madison Square Garden, which is really cool. Uh, and then you, of course, had the whole John Klingberg fiasco, so many rumors of him getting dealt before the trade deadline. I remember talking with with people even as like early as Thanksgiving about him potentially leaving Dallas, uh, but obviously he stuck the season out, but now he's in Anaheim, and now it's the Miro Haskinen show. But Miro Haskinen, also a, a point of drama last season, getting mononucleosis in the spring, 
Uh, yeah. I, think that was a, I think that was a huge reason why Klingberg ended up not getting dealt uh, because there wasn't a clear timetable on when Miro right. would return and when he could return, how effective he would be. I mean, because you get mononucleosis, it's not just affecting you while you're sick. You you aren't able to, to work out and stay in shape. So he had to right. come back into the game and then, you know, get his lungs back up to, to game health and get his body back prepared. So there was just so many different things going on, a lot of adversity. And I know the stars certainly were not the only team facing adversity like that, but it, just a, a, a tough outing at times. And I think it would have been easy for the, the team to roll over and, but, but they found a way to keep fighting early in the season. It wasn't great. And then around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, we, we finally kind of started to see what the stars were going to look like. Uh, and most nights that was a team that even if the, if, you, if they dropped a game in regular regulation or overtime, uh, they they never really felt out of the game. Uh, a very competitive team, um, very physical, not afraid of any challenge or any other team. And I think that was the the effect of having a guy like Rick Bonus, um, which I know we'll probably talk about the co- the coaching change here in a little bit. But oh, all yeah. things considered, oh, yeah. I I think a, a pretty successful season, making the playoffs and. You know, it, it's certainly a, a very good what if discussion. If if that game seven in Calgary ends differently, I think that mm-hmm. shot that Johnny Johnny Gaudreau made as great of a player as he is. Uh, you look at the, the the gap that that went in. I mean, Ottinger was in the right place, and Gaudreau just found the the tiniest gap for that puck to go in. Right. I think nine times out of ten, that puck gets blocked or that shot misses, and the, the Stars were getting their looks in that overtime. So it, yep. it's certainly a you know who knows what could have happened. I think. That series against Edmonton could have been very interesting because their goalie situation, not as good as the Stars, but they also have two of the best skaters on the planet, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. So who, right. who knows what could have happened? But all, all things considered, I think 21-22 was a success given the the hand that the, the Stars were dealt at the start of the year. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so now the Stars bring in Pete DeBoer, who is n- not, you know, unfamiliar here with um, a, a veteran here in Joe Plavelski. What are your thoughts on bringing in DeBoer? What are your thoughts about, like you said, Rick Bonus? I mean, he had the team, had mixed results. You know, I mean, at the, you know, he went on to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, and then he also, he, he had the first round exit. What are your thoughts about, you know, them letting him go, bringing in Pete DeBoer? I mean, is this going to be a right fit? I mean, what's your thoughts like on the coaching changes? Yeah, there, there's certainly a, a lot that goes into that. And I'll start with Rick Bonus. And mm-hmm. I was actually just earlier today talking with uh, our, our Locked On Jets guy, Harrison Lee, earlier about Rick Bonus, because now that's where he's coaching is, is with mm-hmm. the Jets up in Winnipeg. Uh, and, and I know there were several people, inclu- including myself, a lot of Stars fans were not a huge fan of the way he coached the team. And there were moments that, you know, I, I just kind of went back and forth. There were mm-hmm. moments where it seemed like things were working out fine. And it's moments where it just seemed like he was it trying to, to play yeah, it went off the rails and maybe was stuck at trying to play hockey the way it was played back in the day, like the 90s or the early 2000s. Yeah. It's just a different game now. Uh, right. And I think with that said, Rick Bonus is still one of the most respected coaches in the NHL. He's been around this game for a long time. I think he's maybe like the longest tenured coach in the league, even going back to his days as an assistant. Uh, it just seems like he was born and then like just started being a part of the world of hockey. If you go and look at just his history with the league, uh, his time in Dallas, never any sort of scandals or, or anything like that. A, a very mm-hmm. upfront and blunt man, but but mm-hmm. also a guy that treated the media with respect, treated his team and their families with respect. A guy that was well-liked in the locker room by the players. Um, a, a great coach as far as establishing culture. I mean, getting the most out of his players. You could tell his guys played hard night in and night out because he mm-hmm. expected that of them. Um, so it was kind of expected that he would be gone after this season. And, and, you know, I think he did very well 
uh, all things considered. He actually was brought on as head coach out of Jim Montgomery getting fired back in December 2019. And I, I just feel like from that moment up until this offseason, it's just been nonstop chaos for, for the NHL, but specifically the Stars, because your coach gets fired in December 2019. You bring in Rick Bonus's interim head coach. The world shuts down due to a, a, a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. The Stars find themselves in the Stanley Cup finals the against finals. the Lightning. Yeah. Then the next season, and then, then it felt, it was longer than that, but it felt like, you know, two weeks later, the next season starting, but all the Stars mm-hmm. players are still nursing their wounds. Uh, right. And, you know, it's revealed after the finals, oh, Tyler Sagan was basically playing with only his upper body because his hip and knees mm-hmm. and legs were just completely shattered. Uh, things like that for most of the roster. And so they missed the playoffs in 2021, but just barely. They they were up in the playoff race up until the last handful of games uh, in what was one of the tougher realigned divisions with Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, I'm, Nashville was in that division. I think Chicago, Columbus. It was a weird, weird division realignment. I know that that was a weird year for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but then even 2021, 2022, there was the COVID shutdown around Christmas. And I think, given you know the circumstances, I think Rick Bonus did about all that he could. So it was expected that he would leave Dallas this offseason. Not necessarily expected that he would go to Winnipeg, but I, I, I think that there's a little bit more optimism with Peter DeBoer. I know with the announcement of his hire, there was a lot of fans not very happy about it because DeBoer has had a history of maybe starting out well with his teams, but then not always finishing well with them. If you go back and look at his history, and this is like a, a very fun fact that I enjoy talking about because it gives me hope for this season, New Jersey, San Jose, Vegas, his last three teams and Jersey and San Jose, he goes to the Stanley cup finals in his first year as head coach. They lose both those finals, uh, but he makes that appearance. And then his first year in Vegas, they make it to the Western conference finals where they lose to the Dallas stars. But historically Peter DeBoer does very well in his first season in the new city. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, and obviously there is that Joe Pavelski connection. Very excited to see what those two can do together. Both of them looking to win a Stanley Cup at some point. Uh, Pavelski likely at the end of his playing career. So it would be really cool um, just from a narrative perspective if we could see them find success here in the next handful of years, depending on how much longer Pavelski is going to be around. But mm-hmm. even just from a coaching perspective and an offensive numbers perspective, we talk about the Stars being a team that struggles to put the puck in the back of the net. I think we can hopefully see a step in the right direction offensively this year. If you look at Pete DeBoer's teams, especially his time in San Jose, he gets the most out of his veteran guys, both offensive forwards and also defensemen as well. Brent Burns had some of the best years of his career under Pete DeBoer. I think Miro Haskinen can hopefully take a step forward offensively, but even guys like Pavelski, Sagan, Ben, Robertson, Hintz, I think that we can see a little bit of an uptick in offensive production with Pete DeBoer. Uh, And so I think as time has gone on, fans have become more and more welcoming. And I think it was just kind of a, oh, this is a a bland hire just because this is a, you know, his time in Vegas did not end in an ideal, you know, scenario for him or the team. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a bitter taste in the mouth there in Vegas. And so I think maybe some of that carried over to Dallas. But as time has gone on, less people that I've found and that I've talked to are upset about it. And there's a little bit more optimism uh, around this team with Pete DeBoer. And he's brought in a pretty much entirely new coaching staff. I think the only two guys that stayed were the the video coach and the goalie coach. So other than that, new power play, new defensive system. Uh, it's going to be different, and, and I'm glad we have uh, the preseason and training camp to kind of get those things sorted out and might be a little bit of a, a rocky start in the regular season um, at the beginning. But I think once they kind of have time to get into rhythm, uh, that we can hopefully see this team trending in the right direction. 
Awesome. All right, let's take a quick break here really fast so that we can be able to dive back in. We have still a lot to be able to talk about here with the upcoming season. Tyler Sagan, um, the signing here of Mason Marchment, um, and just some expectations here for Dallas Stars hockey here next season. So you mentioned here, you know, basically during that Stanley Cup final run, Tyler Sagan was virtually playing just with his upper body. I mean, his, his lower body needed to be completely overhauled here at this point. I mean, let's face it. He's almost basically a cyborg at this point here after his recovery, he comes back, plays nearly a full season here at 81 games. I mean, like I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He played a full season, um, 24 goals, 25 points for 49 total points, ugly minus 21 rating. Um, and then four points in seven games here in the postseason. I I personally think again from an outsider's perspective that Tyler Sagan is slated to have a really good season. I think an underrated, potentially sneaky player for next season. Is there hope, optimism, you know, whatnot here for fans in Dallas? Is it just kind of a we're gonna get what we get here from him and whatever we get is gravy? You know, what what's kind of the vibe here for for a guy like Tyler Sagan? Optimism isn't quite the word I would use. I, I feel like okay. the the what's holding Tyler Sagan back is probably just that that he is playing, you know, as basically just half a man now, just with how much mm-hmm. injuries he's endured over his career. But the biggest issue with Stars fans and Tyler Sagan is his contract. He, if you look oh, at the yeah. Stars cap situation, he and Jamie Ben both, uh, yep. typically are not have have not really within the past year uh been held in very high regard amongst stars fans because they take up a quarter of the cap uh, yeah their their numbers don't indicate that three five million dollars and and for quite some time too we i think we have sagan until 2027 and we have jamie ben until 2025 so Mm -hmm. you're almost done with those things where you're almost done with them yeah almost almost done done. (laughs) but he's he's been the captain for so long that i imagine that front office will probably find a way to keep him until he retires but that that's a different conversation for for a different time but right you you look at Sagan especially I think both those guys are, are certainly due for bounce back years yeah. Sagan I, I think even more so just because of the player he's been in the past as far as yeah. his scoring ability skating ability and I think we can expect hopefully an uptick in numbers like I said previously with Peter DeBoer now in town but also he's finally had this full off season of rest uh, he yeah. came in and played like the last two or three games of that 2021 season where the stars missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, and then he, you know, comes back and plays, like you said, pretty much the entire season outside of one game, but still probably wasn't able to fully recover. But now, you know, he's had from May until this time until September mm-hmm. to recover. And, and, you know, I think him along with several other guys on this roster kind of getting this fresh start with this new coaching staff. I, I think the expectations are high. Um, again, I wouldn't say fans are optimistic. A lot of times when I talk about either him or Jamie Ben on my show, uh, people are, are quick to be like, you know, 40, what do you have? 49 points this past season. That's certainly not enough, but even, you know, 60, 70 points. A lot of stars fans wouldn't even be satisfied with that. If you're getting paid right. over $9 million, the expectation is that you're, you know, at near or around, you know, the, the 85 to 90 point mark. Oh, yeah. uh, and I don't know if we'll see that from Tyler Sagan. I just don't. Just given his age, you know, he's in his 30s now. I just don't mm-hmm. know if we'll see that. But even if he can get into that maybe 70-point range or somewhere around there, it might not be, you know, satisfactory for everyone. But I think it's certainly, you know, better than what he did last year. That's almost a 20-point jump. Uh, and right. I think especially if he can provide some secondary scoring behind that top line of, of Pavelski, mm-hmm. Hintz, and Robertson, mm-hmm. I think Stars fans will will start to to relax a little bit. Um, but I'm I'm excited to get to see him play this season. 
Uh, he's still, you know, a, a great leader on on the ice, off the ice. He and Jamie Ben, kind of the the two remaining pieces of, of what you might could call the the quote unquote old Dallas Stars. A lot right. of guys on the roster now are relatively new to the team. Uh, you know, John Klingberg was kind of a part of that too. Alexander Radulov, but now both those guys are gone. So mm-hmm. with both of those guys, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan being the leaders of the team, uh, the the expectations are going to be high for them this season to to step up and lead this team, especially on the ice. Yeah, I mean, and he's still, like you said, like he's still relatively young at only 30 years old. So there's still hope. There's still time, you know, that he can still be able to, to come back. It's going to take a lot of conditioning here on his end. And with any single player, any sort of hip injury of any kind is always very, very rough, especially in a sport like hockey. Um, you know, the Stars, they they bring in here another I don't know if you want to consider him really a veteran here in Mason Marchman. He's 27 years old. He's only played three seasons here in the NHL, scoring 58 points in 91 games. He's he's completely a third liner from the outside looking in, you know, but he could be a sneaky ad by using like a combination of his side and speed in a combination here with um, Foxa, potentially Luke Glendening and I'll get into potentially some of like the um the rookies that could be able to to break in here as well here in just a minute that he could be paired along with but um Mason Marchment interesting addition underrated addition blah you know like what do you what do you think I think it's certainly an interesting addition and I think probably under the underrated right now just in the grand scheme of this past NHL offseason uh he certainly was not the biggest name on the market and I think he you know, gets picked up by the stars. I think it's a good move by them. Uh, like you said, a guy that's probably going to play maybe third line. I can see him potentially sneaking onto that second line on occasion if he mm-hmm. plays really well. Um, Cause he did have a really good season with Florida, all things considered. I mean, that was one of the best offensive teams in the league. So even if he didn't have the highest numbers, uh, still a really good outing. And we just have to hope that that will carry over to Dallas with this team. I think it's I think it's a good addition to try to add some depth at the forward position, especially on a scoring side. That's just something the Stars so desperately need this season. Uh, and the Stars got him for for a pretty good price as well. I know he's fairly high up on the the cap list, $4.5 million for the next handful of seasons until 2026. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's a good addition. Uh, like you said, you know, you can call him a veteran, but he's still relatively young. Um, right. I, I think he, you know, it, like Jake Ottinger is going to be set up for success just with the amount of, of veterans on this team that, you know, can kind of take him under their wing and show him the ropes uh, of how to be a, a consistent forward in this league um, and how to how to handle yourself as a professional. Not that he didn't have that in Florida, but guys like Pavelski, Sagan, Ben, who have been around this game for so long, uh, I think it'll be great for him to to play alongside those guys and to, you know, even form relationships with the younger guys on the team, hence Robertson, Peterson, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So I, th- I think if things work out well, we'll look back on this. Uh, the NHL community can look back on this and say, wow, that was a, an underrated move by the Stars. Right. Because um, we've seen from from the past handful of championship teams, you need those guys that aren't aren't the star player, aren't the center of attention, but you need those, those core depth pieces, especially with Colorado this past year. They have the big names, but they don't win that Stanley Cup the way they did without you know, your, your Arturi Lekkinen's of the world, uh, your Val Nachushkin's of the world that aren't the biggest names, but still produced at a high level and came up big uh, when their team needed the most. Yeah, well, and he he's potentially going to see a bit of competition here from two of the prospects in Ty Delandria. And I've even said a wild card option here in Wyatt Johnston because Delandria, though he put up 
you say only 50 points, 50 points here in the American League here last season. I think he's poised to be able to make a good jump to the NHL here this season, be able to earn a good spot here on the third line. But Wyatt Johnston, holy crap. I was I was stunned looking up this kid. 124 points in 68 games in the Ontario Hockey League with the Windsor Spitfires. Now, some people may say, well, it's the junior leagues. They're going to score that many points. Like, okay. He also scored 41 points over 25 games in the postseason. He led the, the OHL in scoring. I don't think there's much more he's going to do at the junior leagues. I mean, you can easily be able to put down. There's a couple of different guys that are currently listed here on the cat friendly roster that they could easily be able to move down. Um, Peterson, Olofsson that they could, you know, again, just, just reassign um, here to the AHL and be able to give a guy here like Wyatt Johnston, a good look. So thoughts on either of those two making the, uh, the opening lineup here this season. It's very, very possible. And Ty Delandria, I mean, had a, had a really good year, all things considered, down mm-hmm. in Cedar Park with the Texas Stars. But also, right. we were talking about Game 7 against Calgary earlier. He played in that game, and I don't think he recorded any points in that game, but still played very well. That was one of the biggest takeaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember from myself and, and talking to some other Dallas Stars media people as well that Ty Delandria looked really good uh, in a, probably the biggest moment of his career up to that point. Game 7 of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, played really well, so I think there's certainly an opportunity for him to to gun for a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And then Wyatt Johnston, yeah, certainly one of the premier players of the prospect pool in the Stars. There's kind of a big three floating around of him, uh, who had a great year in Windsor. Logan Stankoven, uh, who played okay. um, juniors this past year as well, and also just got done at the World Juniors, where he was dynamite in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great score, similar to Wyatt Johnston in a lot of ways, and both of them taken in the 2021 draft. And both those guys fell fell a little bit. And I feel like now with the way they've performed in their junior leagues of their first year, um, technically part of NHL organizations was still playing in juniors, putting the world on notice. And then you also have Maverick Bork, uh, who's mm-hmm. taken round one of the 2020 draft. He, I believe, now is done with juniors. I think we'll probably see him start the year on the AHL roster unless he performs yeah. well at camp. But but those three are, are kind of the guys that are on the, the up and up uh, this mm-hmm. season. And I think all three of them have legitimate chances to crack a roster spot. It's just going to be a crowded forward room with a lot of the guys we've already talked about, but then the mixture of young players like Ty Delandria. And I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing because all that competition is going to bring the best out of each and every player. So I'm confident that, you know, those guys are going to push each other. They're going to work extremely hard during camp, during preseason to try to get a spot on the NHL roster. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think that that will give us the best possible lineup we can get on opening night. Uh, while also knowing we probably have some really good players down Uh, either at the American Hockey League level or guys that maybe get sent back to juniors for one more year where they get to develop their game uh, and continue to to grow as hockey players too, where a year from now uh, we'll say, okay, they're they're a lock to make the roster. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see the competition shape out. There's plenty of other young forwards as well. Riley Tufty, who got some time last year, um, Riley Damiani, I think he was the AHL player of the year a couple years ago and score, actually scored his first NHL goal in a game in Dallas against the Blues, a game that the Stars ended up losing. But that was an exciting moment to see a rookie get his uh, his first NHL career goal in yeah. front of a home crowd. So yeah. really cool moment. Yeah, those two guys um, and plenty of others as well that I think have a chance to compete for a roster spot. So even though we're we're in this weird you know transitional period where a lot of the veterans are on their way out in Dallas, the future does seem to be bright with some of the the prospects in the pool in the organization. Do you think it would be okay? I mean, there's there's a mixed set of opinions for a lot of fans 
when it comes to prospects that they need their playing time. They need the proper role, you know, versus sending them either back to juniors or the AHL with a lot of these guys, they seem like that they are skill first players. They are not your prototypical, put them on the fourth line, you know, let them be able to play a defensive style. If they score, they score. For me, I mean, again, it seems like that these guys are very, very skill first type players. Would you be okay if they cracked the lineup in a fourth line position or is it third line or bust here for these guys? I think I would be okay with a fourth line spot for for any of those guys that we talked about. I think experience is important, um, but you also got to take it player by player. There's going to be mm-hmm. some guys that maybe start out on the fourth line, like if Johnson starts out there, but he overperforms and you know, does really well, then you maybe look to move him up a little bit and shake, shake the lineup a little bit. And I think you can do that if you have a, a, you know, a really talented young player. I don't necessarily anticipate that happening because like you said, the, the juniors in the NHL are two very different worlds. And so mm-hmm. we can't just expect a guy like Wyatt Johnson to come light the NHL on fire after putting up, you know, over a hundred points in juniors. But I think we can still expect him to play well. And, you know, like you said, experiences is the name of the game. Uh, you mm-hmm. just got to, you know, be patient with prospects and wait for them to develop. I mean, very rarely are you going to get those guys that come into the league and just dominate, you know, from the get go, like your Connor McDavid's. I mean, that does not happen very often. Right. Um, and so I, I think, but the stars are still in a nice position where even if a lot of these, these younger prospects don't crack the roster this year, we still have good pieces in place to make a push for the playoffs. And then, you know, if those guys are still developing junior leagues, AHL, in theory, we should still be in a good place looking at this team, you know, for, for the next handful of years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And especially with the the lack of players who are actually signed, you know, this will be a really good reset, I think, for the organization to really just say, okay, here's what we're going to start off with. Here's where we're going to be able to move. But at the same point in time, the stars need to be very, very careful on the contracts that they're signing so that they are not, you know, already putting themselves here in the hole right from the very get go. Mm. So, um, not too much of a change here on, you know, we've, we've looked here at, at goaltenders where, you know, I think we've pretty much exhausted here. Everything with the forwards, there's not been much of a change here at all with the defense here this coming season, um, which could be a good thing here at that point. You know, of, of course, you know, you lose John Klingberg, who's now in Anaheim. Heiskanen should be able to see an increased role, which is kind of crazy to think of with the amount of ice time and the responsibility here that he was already seeing um, here in around like 24, 25 minutes here a night. Um, he's looked great defensively, just great defensively. And I think a lot of fans are just expecting the offense here from him. And that is where a lot of fans, I think, measure a level of success in the NHL here at this point. So with, Klingberg now gone. Is that something that you think Stars fans and just fans around the NHL are going to see from a guy like Heisken in this coming season? Or um, do you think that where we're kind of at is where we're just going to land for the rest of his career? Yeah, there certainly are a lot of expectations on Miro Heiskanen for this season. Um, I I think especially on the offensive side of the things, Mm -hmm. if people were to complain about one part of his game, uh, which, you know, it's hard to do because he's very much, 
loved here in Dallas so far because, like I said, the mm-hmm. defensive game is there. It's his lack of offense and sometimes even a hesitancy to shoot the puck or try to make something, you know, uh, develop a play on his own because he certainly does have the the skating ability. He's good with his stick, but there's just always kind of been this hesitancy, and I think that's maybe been a result of the the Rick Bonus system. And now, like I mentioned earlier, we've seen Peter DeVore teams have some really great offensive defensemen. Brent Burns in San Jose, even Shea Theodore in Vegas had some some good years under Pete DeBoer. So I think yeah. now, especially that Miro Haskinen is the guy defensively in Dallas, we should expect to see that uptick in numbers. And I, I think he has the capability to deliver on those expectations. I'm not saying he's going to put up Kale McCarr level numbers, but I think he can maybe you know take that next step and, and really assert himself as a premier defenseman in this league. Because I think Stars fans know that, that he belongs in that conversation. But I think mm-hmm. the rest of the NHL world recognizes this kid's good, but right. he hasn't fully reached his ceiling yet. I think there's still a little ways to go, um, which, which is exciting. You don't want your young players to peak uh, in the early years of their career. You want them to continue to get better as they approach their prime. And Miro Haskin is probably a year, maybe two, three from officially being in his quote unquote prime. So I, I'm excited. Well, to he's see only he 23 years year. old. That, that Yeah, exactly. He's still in his early 20s. Uh, I right. think I'm actually a few months older than Miro Haskin, which is humbling to see how athletically gifted he is. And then, you know, I, I, I <laughs> cannot do any of the things he can do. So, but he, he's really exciting to watch and I'm excited to see how he plays, but also just excited to see how he kind of forms into a leader. I think with this yeah. new look Dallas stars starting to take shape with a lot of these young guys coming in, I, I think it's very realistic that he will be, you know, one of the faces of the franchise. He already is, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. one of the faces of the franchise and a guy that's going to be considered a leader on this team, not just in the defensive core, but for the whole the whole squad. Uh, and I'm excited to kind of see him take that next step this season because uh, he's he's shown flashes. Even uh, you go back to that that Stanley Cup run in 2020. I mean, he was just incredible on both sides mm-hmm. of the ice, and, and I think that was just a, a, a you know an appetizer uh, to what he can he can really do. And I think we're going to see a big jump from him this season. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, the stars have a pretty decent defensive lineup. Like when you look at it, it's not, I don't mean to make, you know, no pun intended here. It's not a star studded lineup, but boy, I mean, it is a quality filled lineup here. I mean, you know, you got Issa Lindell, um, Ryan Suter. He's on his way out here, but he is still very, very serviceable. Um, Thomas Harley, I, Every single one of these guys here that I'm seeing here on this on this roster, it's it's just quality. You know, they're all very sneaky offensive production type players. Um, these guys can can ran the can run the body. They can be able to to bat pucks here out of the air. They can be able to break up plays. Thoughts and I mean, are, are Stars fans confident in the defense that's been assembled here at this point, or are they still, you know, a little bit like, eh, you know, they need to make more changes and, and whatnot. It's like, what's, what's the status here of the uh, fans and the pulse here on the defense. I think there's still a lot of confidence surrounding the defensive core here in Dallas. It's certainly okay. going to look very different uh, with, with the absence of John Klingberg, who was kind of a, a fan favorite for several years here. Um, a guy that was drafted and developed by this franchise, but now has gone on to the the Anaheim Ducks. But there's still some really nice pieces here. You you talk about S. Yeah. Lindell. Um, I think that I think now he's the one of the longer tenured defensemen on this roster, if not the longest tenured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miro Haskinen, who's been here for a while now, obviously. And then even Ryan Suter, who catches quite a bit of you know flack from Stars fans because there are moments like his Ryan Suter's a guy where his highs 
kind of go under the radar and people won't talk about him when he's doing mm-hmm. well for his age because he's you know uh, 37 years old and he's going to be playing at least if his if, you know if he stays healthy until 2025 when his contract expires so there's moments where he has lapses defensively or his age shows a little bit and at that moment stars fans are all over him and love to go mm-hmm. after him but we've I've done some deep dives this offseason into individual players and if you look at his numbers one he played all 82 games which is important for your defenseman led the team in on ice minutes uh, not to mention know, the the age factor here i mean <laughs> that that as well I, like you can't Obviously, his numbers probably leave a little bit to be desired, especially at three point six five million a season, which is right. a lot for a guy his age. Um, but different topic for a different day. But yeah, yeah, yes. there's moments where where he does really well. He, I think, led defensemen and and you know shot shot attempts, scoring opportunities, um, or at least shots on goal or you know mm-hmm. shots at the net that were attempted to be deflected, things of that nature. So you know his, his lows can be a little bit low, and sometimes the good parts of Ryan Suter go underappreciated. But you also just can't you know, neglect the fact that veteran presence and veteran leadership on a team is incredibly valuable, especially teams looking to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Suter is, a, I think, a good guy to have in that core. Yanni Hockenpah, another great add to the team last season. Uh, Blues just absolutely massive. Yeah, he's like 6'8", 220. Uh, I think massive, he came massive, from Carolina dude. before going to, to Dallas. I didn't know that the yeah. Blues drafted him, but a, a very yeah. underrated player. Certainly not an offensive defenseman, but a guy that's going to block shots going to lay hits, uh, a great player to have on the team. And Thomas Harley, um, a guy that's also expected to take a big step this season. The first mm-hmm. round pick for the Stars in 2019 has had some playing time with the Stars in his young career, but I think he's officially going to make that jump to being a full-time NHL player this season. Uh, and the expectations are high for him this year, but I think that yeah. now that he has a few NHL games under his belt, uh, he doesn't have to worry about this you know, transition between the AHL and NHL. He can embrace it head on and, and hopefully perform really well. And then, of course, Joel Hanley, who's been a piece of this team for the past handful of seasons, and Colin Miller, uh, the other big free agent addition, addition to the Stars yeah. this season from from Buffalo, uh, signed a few hours after Mason Marchman on the day that free mm-hmm. agency opened. So not the biggest name, not the brightest name, but also the, the defenseman free agent market was probably headlined by John Klingberg. So mm-hmm. not a ton of options, but all things considered a pretty good addition. So I know I'm confident in this defensive core, and I think that that's still the identity of this Stars team, despite them wanting to take steps to improve the offense. I think the defense is still going to be very good. Uh, and like you said, they they have a very solid and sturdy lineup that has plenty of NHL experience uh, on, under their belt. Okay. So before we let you go here, so just want to be able to do a quick couple of uh, rapid fire stuff here for you. So who sure. leads the team in points this season? I, I'm going to go overall points, pro- probably Jason Robertson, him, him or Rupe Hintz. But I'm going to go Interesting. So is Pavelski then in the top three? I think so. The thing with Pavelski is I don't I don't want to doubt him. I don't think he's going to have a bad year by any means. I just don't know if he's going to get to 81 points again. I want to believe he can. And if he does, I mm-hmm. would love to be proven wrong. I think he'll probably still be top three, probably top five for sure. I think he's still okay. going to have a great year. But at 81 points, it was miraculous, the things he was able to do. Yeah. I think he'll probably still land 65, 70 points. Uh, okay. And I think we'll see even more. Uh, Jason Robertson only played 74 games, which is still a lot of the season, but missed oh, yeah. um, some significant time. I think if he gets all 82 games, we probably see his points jump from 79 to somewhere around the 90 range, if if I were to, to guess at this point. Okay. Um, over under 65 games played for Jake Ottinger. Man, that is that is a tough one. I, I will go over. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be optimistic. Um, okay. that he's going to stay healthy and have a great year. Um, okay. 
yeah, and, and I think if the Stars want to do well this season, he's going to have to take the majority of starts. So I'll, I'll go over, but probably not by too much because there are definitely going to be days he needs a, a break. Okay. And how far do you think the Stars are able to make it this season? I mean, obviously, again, you got the uh, the peak DeVore effect. Do you think they make it all the way to uh, to the Stanley Cup Finals here at this point? Or, you know, what are you thinking? I, I would absolutely love to see that. And I'm mm-hmm. confident that they have pieces to make a deep run. But being realistic, I, I can see this team likely maybe another first round exit and maybe at most a, a second round exit. I think that they will make the playoffs. I think the Central is going to be very competitive. They likely get a wild card spot. It it, it's as top heavy, especially. It's crazy that the division probably has the best team in Colorado and also quite possibly the worst team in the league in Arizona in the same division. But I think the Stars against all odds make the postseason, maybe wild card, maybe just maybe crack a top three spot in the division, depending on how everything falls for the other teams across the league or you know across the the division. So I I think they make the playoffs, and I think they probably make a, a first or second round exit. Okay. That's fair. That's fair here at this point. So, okay. Well, um, I don't think, I think we pretty well exhausted the stars team here, like as a whole this season. I mean, it's something that's going to be a very, very interesting team to be able to watch here this coming season. So um, again, where can fans be able to find you? You know, what, where can they be able to, to see here things? Are you going to be doing daily podcasts here at this point, this coming season or, or, you know, let's uh, let's give them a little peek behind the curtain. Sure thing. Yeah. So the, the, the Locked on Stars podcast, the podcast that I host as of right now, we're recording this early September, um, only doing three episodes a week. Just that's kind of how we've been doing it here in the later stretches of the off season. Right. Just less, less, you know, stories developing, less things to talk about. But then once training camp hits, I believe September 19th, uh, we'll, we'll go back to five days a week, Monday through Friday through training camp, uh, preseason games. And then of course, uh, into the regular season as well, where we're likely going to be getting a, a Dallas Stars game once every two or three days. Um, so, you know, you can just search Locked on Stars in your your podcast feed, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, mm-hmm. but we're also on YouTube as well. Um, and we're, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube by the end of 2022. We're sitting around 670 right now. So if, if anyone listening out there, yeah, if anyone feels so inclined to, uh, to do that, maybe I'll be nicer to the to the St. Louis Blues whenever I, I talk about them this season. Uh, if hey, I'll if send fans. some of them here to you as long as you send some of them here to us. How about that? We'll, we'll trade uh, that, some fans. <laughs> that, that sounds like a deal to me. But yeah, you can find us there. Um, and if you have any interest to, to find anything Dallas Stars related on Twitter, you can just find me just as simple at Dane double underscore Lewis. Uh, that's my first name, double last name separated underscore. by two underscores. Dane Lewis with one underscore was already taken. So I just added the second one. Uh, and we made Love it, and then our show is just a simple at Locked On Stars, uh, and you know you'll you'll get all your star stuff there, and then you'll you'll get a mixture of things on my personal Twitter account from star stuff, but I also uh, work as a, a athletics videographer and editor for a school here in Dallas, so you'll get a mixture of that as well, but but also some some hockey and uh, with football season here, probably some some sad Dallas Cowboys tweets as well. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dane, thanks so much here for being able to uh, to be flexible here with time and be able to come on in here with us and be able to talk some Dallas Stars hockey, even um, just in the early September. Again, it's the dry season. It is we're craving for attention like, oh, look, Tyler Sagan took a picture on Instagram. Let's talk about that for an hour. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know our the Locked On Network, like our, our main page, we did a, a poll the other day of like ranking the best and worst jerseys. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that are like, oh, this is cool. And they're engaging with it. And some people they are like, why are y'all posting this? And it's like, what, what else are we going to talk what about? Else? It's yep. early September. So yep. 
yeah, certainly. Uh, always, always glad to, to talk hockey with anyone I can find. So thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on and, and having me. This has been fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, this has been Dane Lewis here to be able to talk some Dallas Stars hockey. Give him a like, give him a tweet, a subscribe, uh, especially like on the YouTube channel and be able to follow him. We'll have to be able to have him back on here this coming season. You know, we'll be able to talk, you know, throughout probably a couple of different times for throughout the season about some Dallas Stars hockey, especially after the Blues uh, do a series sweep. We'll have to be able to have him on here <laughs> for that one. So awesome. Thanks so much for coming on here again, Dane. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thank you to Dane Lewis for joining us there. Episode 23, the Blue Note podcast. Joining us to talk all things about Dallas, of the Dallas Stars. You are an unpredictable team, a good roster, some good cornerstone pieces on that roster, but it's going to be put together. We're going to see a new head coach there as well. Uh, great job by Mike to talk with Dane for this episode. So where we go from here is episode 24. Like I said, the Minnesota Wild are scheduled to be our next team. We might have a guest who's already been on the show before that will be joining us for that one. We will see them. We also have Nashville and Winnipeg to finish off the summer series. And the end of the summer series should put us right at around preseason or close to it when that will start. So lots to come here on the Blue Note Podcast, the Believe Network. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. Join the conversation on Twitter at TBN Pod. And then be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW and Mike on Twitter at M underscore Meyer 3. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next week for episode 24 of the Blue Note Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. The Blue Note Podcast, the Believe Network, episode 24, coming your way next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.